Thirteenth Sunday in Ordinary Time Prayer Psalm 89 I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. Happy are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. They exult in your name all day long and extol your righteousness, for you are the glory of their strength. By your favor, our horn is exalted, for our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. Reading the Word First reading Second Kings chapter 4 One day, Elisha was passing through Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to have a meal. So whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for a meal. She said to her husband, Look, I'm sure that this man who regularly passes our way is a holy man of God. Let us make a small roof chamber with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day, when he came there, he went up to the chamber and lay down there. He said, what then may be done for her? Gehazi answered, Well, she has no son, and her husband is old. He said, Call her. When he had called her, she stood at the door. He said, At this season in due time, you shall embrace a son. She replied, No, my lord, O man of God, do not deceive your servant. Second reading, Romans chapter 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. But if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with them. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Gospel, Matthew chapter 10 Jesus said, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it.
Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly, I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Hearing the word, reward of hospitality. The Sunday's readings feature one common theme, hospitality. The episode from the prophet Elisha's ministry in the first reading focuses on hospitality shown to the prophet by a Shunammite woman of rank. This designation indicates that she was a wealthy person with ample material resources. She was also a sensitive and perceptive woman. Inviting the prophet to eat there, she demonstrated her ability to recognize him as a holy man of God and together with her husband, welcome him into her home. Such hospitality moved the prophet to respond. First he called her, and offered to intercede on her behalf before the local authorities. Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She refused that offer. When Elisha insisted on showing her kindness, his own servant Gehazi indicated where the true help was needed. The woman had no children. Israelites at the time believed that childlessness was a result of a curse. The logic was that since children are God's blessing, their lack meant God's curse. Gehazi, saying that she has no son and her husband is old, revealed all her hidden pain and no hope for the removal of the alleged case in the future. Nevertheless, the holy man of God called her again to announce that the case will be reversed and she will bear a son. This promise was formulated with God's own authority behind it, as seen in other divine announcements of birth. At this season in due time, you shall embrace a son. Although the text of this reading ends with a skeptical response from the woman, immediately after, the biblical text reports the realization of the promise. The woman conceives and gives birth to a son. The prophet brought the blessing into the life of the family. When, humanly speaking, it seemed impossible, we must remember However, that this prophetic action was a response to the hospitality which the Shunammite woman showed first. The passage from the letter to the Romans highlights the new situation of the members of the Christian community. Paul counts himself among them 
using the expression all of us at the beginning of this passage. This newness consists in being under the power and reign of sin no more. Paul develops his argument on the basis of, of the inner unity of each faithful person with Christ. This unity was established through baptism, which Paul describes as immersion into his death. Paul uses the language of symbol here. He does not refer to death literally, but symbolically, referring to being totally separated from something. In this case, being dead to sin means complete separation from sin. Christ's own real death was followed by resurrection and new life. Those united with Christ through baptism share the same fate. Therefore, we have been buried with them by baptism into death, so that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. This unity with Christ means definitive separation from sin and its effects. There is a certain paradox here. Usually, death results in definitive separation from life and from others. But the death which Paul speaks about symbolically has positive effects. Symbolic death with Christ in baptism separates the faithful from sin, which separated a person from God. Positively, being dead to sin leads to being joined to Christ and God and being alive for God in Christ Jesus. Thus, union with Christ in baptism means dying to sin and rising to life for God and for Jesus. However, we must note that all this is possible because we have been welcomed into Christ. The gift of life eternal is given to those who are in Christ, which means those who join themselves to him through faith and baptism. Christ's offer extended to believers is an example of extreme hospitality. He welcomes former sinners, separated from himself and his father, to be joined to himself in order to reunite them with God. The Gospel text concludes the missionary discourse in Matthew chapter 10. In his final remarks, Jesus stresses the necessity of preferring him even more than the closest family members in order to be his disciples and to be worthy of him. Love for Jesus surpasses the familiar bonds. Walking in the footsteps of Jesus makes the disciple united with and worthy of him. For the first time in Matthew's Gospel, the word cross appears and is immediately identified as an essential component of discipleship. Those who, like Jesus, sacrifice their life for the sake of God's kingdom will become like him and will find life eternal. The profound message here is that life is a gift of God, but it can be fully received only by making it a gift. Another important message of this conclusion points to the importance of openness and receptiveness to God's message and his messengers to hospitality. 
those welcoming disciples, prophets, and upright persons receive Jesus himself. These groups were the various types of missionaries active at the beginnings of the church. Matthew states every act of welcome and support, even as small as giving a cup of cold water, will receive reward. It is a reward from the Father himself, consisting in having communion with him. Renouncing life for Jesus leads to full unity with him. Welcoming those who are united with him leads to unity with God himself. The result of that unity is the greatest gift, eternal life. All three readings show the link that exists between hospitality and life. Elisha brought new life to a barren family because it welcomed him. Paul confirms that eternal life is a result of being welcomed by Christ, to join him by being baptized into his death. In his final words on the right way to be a missionary, Jesus instructs the disciple to offer his life completely in the service of the mission. Furthermore, to receive the true benefits of that mission, a person must welcome the missionaries and their message. Hospitality is an act of opening oneself to God's gifts and blessings carried by those whom God sends. Thus, the practice of hospitality leads to a life of blessedness, as affirmed by the psalmist. Happy are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. Listening to the Word of God In many homes in Africa, as is the case in my home, there is a special cupboard where the best cups, plates, and glasses are kept for visitors only. I remember as a child the excitement that filled our home when visitors came. Not only did they receive the best plates and glasses, but it was also an opportunity to eat special dishes that were not part of our everyday menu. The visitor transformed our home, filling it with excitement and anticipation. Even without the presence of visitors, Hospitality was expressed in ensuring that the pot of food was not empty. A small portion was reserved for the unexpected stranger or visitor. Hospitality was also expressed in sharing resources with neighbors in need. I remember as a child being sent to ask neighbors for ingredients or food items that we had run short of. Similarly, neighbors would also do the same when they needed food or ingredients, creating interdependence, love and solidarity in our communities. I know that this is true in most communities. Further, the dish containing the food that was borrowed was never returned empty, but always with something special in it. This exchange of goods and daily neighborly hospitality and generosity strengthened relationships and provided a safety net for all and security within the community. These values of interdependence, justice, solidarity, and love constitute the fundamental principle of Ubuntu that is found in all African societies. Hospitality, therefore, is not just about actions, 
but defines what it means to be a person. To be human is to possess, embody, and practice Ubuntu. In the spirit of Ubuntu, one's family is not limited to biological parents and siblings, but to all who belong to the human family. I remember growing up and referring to all the women and men who were the same age as my parents, as mothers and fathers, and young people my age or older or younger as brothers and sisters. The hospitality of Ubuntu therefore extended the family to include everyone. Sadly, Ubuntu is under threat from westernization with its values of individualism, nuclear family, independence, privacy, and minding one's own business, as well as disruption of society through crime, drugs, corruption, etc. To achieve success in today's world means holding on to everything that one has, such as talent, money, family, and protecting it at all costs. Even as Christians, we can easily be influenced by this way of thinking and invest more in our own security and well-being. There is nothing wrong with sound financial investment and savings. And yet, when they absorb our lives and stop us from being hospitable, generous, and open to others, then we have missed opportunities to encounter Jesus through the lives of strangers and those in need. In the Gospel, Jesus makes a radical revelation of his presence in the world through our openness to people, sharing gladly that which costs us the most, namely our time, love, resources, and friendship. The arrival of the guest is a blessing. Action Self-examination Hospitality starts in the heart. Reflect on your life and listen to the resistance or joy that comes when you reflect on the role of hospitality in your life. Response to God God embodies generosity in everything from the bounty of creation to the most important gift of Jesus. How does God's generosity inspire you to embrace generosity as a way of life? Response to your world Fear of others and worries about the future can cause us to protect what is ours at all costs. This in turn undermines generosity and hospitality. Think of ways of breaking down this way of thinking by opening yourself with wisdom to the world as a family, by reaching out to one person or group, sacrificing some of your resources of time, friendship and finance. Lord God, our forefathers taught us hospitality through Ubuntu. May the witness of your generosity through creation and above all, 
through Jesus, inspire us to live and embody hospitality in our world, which is so desperate for love, embrace, forgiveness, food, shelter, justice, and dignity. Amen.